Thank you for listening to this Lunchtime Talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, the Art Gallery's Curator of European, British and North American Art, Tony Mangerson, and Associate Curator of Australian Paintings and Sculpture, Gloria Streslecki, discussed the life and practice of artist Berthe Morisot in Colours of Impressionism, Masterpieces from the Musée d'Orsay. My name's Tony Magnuson. I'm the Curator of European and North American Art here at the Gallery, and I'm also the Coordinating Curator of Colours of Impressionism, Masterpieces from the Musée d'Orsay. And my name is Gloria Streslecki and I'm a project officer here at the Art Gallery of South Australia and I'll be joining uh, Tony today and we'll be talking about the artist Bert Morisot with the two paintings uh, side by side to us here. Lovely. Um, so I will start by talking about the first um, part of her life up until um, when she exhibited uh, with the first uh, Impressionist exhibition in 1874. And I will continue post-1874, exploring the life and work of the artist, but also um, unpacking this painting in front of us. Lovely. And I'll make a few closing remarks about this uh, lovely work from 1894. Before, I get, before we get started, I'd just like to um, acknowledge that we meet on the traditional lands of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and future. Uh, for my portion of the talk, I'm going to be relying heavily on correspondence between Bert uh, and her family and friends, um, as edited by her grandson, Denis Rouard. So, um, Bert Morisot was born in Bourges in central France in January 1841. Um, she was the third daughter of a gentleman by the name of Edmé Tiburce Morisot, who was a civil servant, and his wife, Marie-Josephine Cornélie Thomas. Um, her older sisters were Eve, by three years, Edma, by two years, and they had a younger brother um, named after their father, Tiburth, who was born sometime between 1845 and 1848. Um, Bert moved with her uh, family uh, to Paris in 1852, settling in the affluent suburb of Passy uh, in the west of the city, not far from the Seine. Uh, and in 1857, Bert, um, along with her sisters, um, began taking drawing lessons from a local artist by the name of Chocan, uh, because their mother wanted them to be able to make a present of a drawing for their father's birthday. Bert was uh, 16 at the time when she started her artistic training. Um, alas, this master was rather dull and uninspiring, and the eldest daughter, Eves, uh, promptly lost interest and said that she'd rather devote her attention to dressmaking. Um, however, Bert and Edma um, were interested in art, uh, but they, they, they merely asked their mother if they could have um, another teacher. So she arranged for them uh, to be sent to the studio of one Joseph Guijard, who was a painter who'd studied under the great epic painter Jean-Auguste Dominique So he duly took the sisters um, under his wing, and it didn't take him long to appreciate their talents. Now, according to a letter written by their brother, uh, and I quote, this inspired, Shard was almost frightened by his discovery. Taking my mother aside, he asked whether she had given careful thought to the matter. Considering the character of your daughters, he said, my teaching will not endow them with minor drawing room accomplishments. They will become painters. Do you realise what this means? In the upper class milieu to which you belong, this will be revolutionary. I might almost say catastrophic. 
Are you sure that you will not come to curse the day when art, having gained admission to your home, now so respectful and peaceful, will become the sole arbiter of the fate of your two children? My mother smiled and declared herself ready to face these dangers. In that case, madame, said the painter, the first thing to do is to apply for permission for them to work in the Louvre, where I shall give them lessons before the masters. Accordingly, um, the girls registered as copyists at the Louvre in 1858, and it was there that they met uh, some former students and friends of Guichard, including um, Félix Bracamond and Henri Fontaine-Latour, um, whose works, are, of course, are included in this exhibition. After several years, however, the sisters expressed interest in painting en plein air. They were interested in this new school of landscape painting, uh, which Guichard certainly did not care for. So reluctantly, he handed them over to Camille Corot, who was also included in this exhibition. Um, Beat and Edna um, warmed to Corot, and, they, and he became a friend of the family, um, often dining with them in, in Passy. Um, uh, the, the sister's uh, father actually had a studio erected in the backyard of their house, even though it was only rented premises. They actually had a studio erected so the sisters could uh, uh, they'd have a proper place to paint. Um, and apparently, Corot thought that Edma um, had more discipline than Bert. According to, to um, Bert's grandson, Denis Roy, Bert took liberties of which Corot disapproved. Not least, she had a tendency to uh, not finish her paintings according to him. Nevertheless, the sisters were able to make their debut at the Salon in 1864. Uh, Bert showed two plein air landscapes, and they continued to show at the Salon, both of them, um, from 1865 up until 1868. But the sisters' new approach to painting didn't exactly meet with their mother's approval. And there's an interesting letter written by the redoubtable Madame Morisot to Edma um, following her mother's seeing Edma's paintings hung up in the salon, and she writes to her daughter, uh, it looks as though your paintings, particularly the flowers, are not varnished. This is being too careless of the appearance of a painting when the aim is to please untrained eyes susceptible to a first impression. I think that next time you, show, you should show less contempt for ordinary people, even if they can make themselves heard only through your mother or father. So Madame Morisot wasn't one to hold back now, women artists were not unheard of in France at the time. 15 women had exhibited at the Salon des Refusés in 1863, and roughly speaking, about 100 um, female artists were shown at the Salon in any given year. However, women were not granted admission to the École de Beaux-Arts, the, the most esteemed fine art school in Paris, until 1897. They certainly weren't allowed to paint nudes and they had far less freedom of movement than their male counterparts. So someone from uh, Bert's haute bourgeoisie social background, for example, could never walk the streets of Paris on her own unless she you know, wanted to attract a certain kind of attention, which she certainly did not. By the Salon of 1868, uh, Bert Morisot's talents had developed to the extent that they were um, uh, noticed by the novelist and art critic Emile Zola who lauded her paintings in a newspaper column, um, declaring her one of the new school of actualists, or realist painters. And this was also the year, 1868, when she met Edouard Manet. Um, they both met her, uh, bo both met Manet, Edma and Bert, um, because they were introduced to him by Henri Fontaine-Latour, who they had got to know through Guichard, copying paintings at the Louvre. 
Um, Berth would go on to model for Manet on many occasions, first off in The Balcony, uh, alongside Mademoiselle Klaus and the painter Antoine G uh, Guillemet, whose work is also included in this show. Uh, and interestingly enough, that was a work that was first conceived when Manet was holidaying in the uh, port of Boulogne in 1869, which is when he painted the work that we see in the first room. Um, Manet showed uh, the balcony um, at the Salon of 1869. It's a very striking work. Uh, and nevertheless, it attracted the usual derision that Manet's paintings seemed to attract at the Salon. And Morisot remarked that she found herself more strange than ugly by her resemblance. Um, the Manets and the Morisots came from a similar sort of social echelon and they became quite close. Manet's mother hosted soirees at their house every Thursday and it attracted the likes of Baudelaire, Degas, Zola, Alfred Stevens, as well as Manet and his wife and Manet's two brothers, Eugene and Gustave. Um, we will never know whether Manet or Morisot's uh, friendship ever sort of tipped into anything more than friendship um, or if Morisot wished it that way because the sisters burnt a number of letters that they'd written to each other over the years. Um, certainly she would go on to write to Edma in a letter she didn't burn that Manet has a decidedly charming temperament. I like it very much. Before adding that his paintings, as they always do, produce the impression of a wild or even a somewhat unripe fruit, which I think is a wonderful description of Manet's work, because there's always something a little forbidden, a little decadent about Manet's work, I find. Anyway, the letter writing between the sisters began in earnest when Edma married a naval officer by the name of Adolphe Pontillon and left Paris to set up house with him. Alas, she had to give up painting, and it's something she desperately missed, according to her letters. On the 15th of March, 1869, she writes to Edma, uh, Edma writes to Bert, I should say, I'm often with you, my dear Bert. In my thoughts, I follow you about in your studio and wish that I could escape were it only for a quarter of an hour to breathe that air in which we lived for so many years. And four days later, by way of a response, Bert writes, if we go on in this way, my dear Edma, we shall no longer be good for anything. You cry on receiving my letters and I did just the same this morning. Yes, I find you childish. This painting, this work that you mourned for is the cause of many griefs and many troubles. You know it as well as I do. And yet, child that you are, you are already lamenting that which was depressing you only a little while ago. And in a later letter, Bert writes, do not grieve about painting. I do not think it is worth a single regret. So, we know that Edma missed painting enormously, but also that Bert, who never stopped painting, found it challenging and often exasperating. She once described painting as a pitched battle with my canvases. Now, read, reading Bert's letters, as well as those of her mother and her sister, one gets the feeling that she was very sensitive and, and a compassionate person, but also somewhat aloof, and she struggled with apathy, and self-doubt as well. She writes to Edma, my painting never seemed to me as bad as it has in recent days. I sit on the sofa and the sight of all those daubs nauseate me. And later, I am sad. What is worse? Everyone is deserting me. I feel alone, disillusioned and old into the bargain. She was all of 28 when she wrote that, by the way. Um, Certainly, Bert cared deeply uh, about the reception of her work among her friends, not least Manet, who could be quite critical and even scathing at times. She writes to Edmer in 1869, the Manets came to see us Tuesday evening and we all went into the studio. To my great surprise and satisfaction, I received the highest praise. 
However, I remember what Fontaine, Fontaine Latour says, namely that Manet always approves of the painting of people whom he likes. As he exaggerates everything, he predicted success for me in the next exhibition, though he has said many unpleasant things to me. Controversially, oh, and I should actually hand out the handouts now. Um, if you'd just like to sort of disperse those amongst yourselves. Um, on page, if we just, yeah, sort of pass them on and pass them back. Sorry, there's only 10, so we might have to share. On page two, uh, on page two of that handout um, is an image that Bert Morisot, a painting that Bert Morisot painted in 18... Uh, 69, 1870, which was improved by Manet, much to her chagrin. Um, it's now in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, and it depicts Edma, just about to have her first baby, and their mother, Madame Morisot. And Madame Morisot, the latter's uh, figure, is what, is what received a touch-up from Manet. And Bert writes to Edma, he took the brushes and put in a few accents that looked very well. This is where my misfortune began. Once started, nothing could stop him. From the skirt, he went to the bust. From the bust to the head. From the head to the background. Finally, by five o'clock in the afternoon, we had the prettiest caricature that was ever seen. My only hope is that I shall be rejected by the salon. My mother thinks this episode funny, but I find it agonising. When Madame Morisot wrote about this incident to Edma, she noted that Edma kept telling me that she'd rather be at the bottom of the river than learn that her painting had been accepted at the Salon. Well, it actually was accepted at the Salon. And tellingly, Madame Morisot followed this up with the comment to Edma, I know it would be puerile to tell this to anyone except you, but you know how the smallest thing here takes on the proportions of a tragedy because of our nervous and febrile dispositions, and God knows I have endured the consequences. I do not think Bert has eaten half a pound of bread since you left. It disgusts her to swallow anything. I have made meat juice for her every day. As it turns out, as I said before, the work was accepted, and on the 8th of May, 1870, Madame Morisot wrote to Edma, Bert is receiving quite a number of compliments on her exhibits. Her spirits fall and rise again, but I think there is no doubt that the activities, the activities of the week have diverted her a little. So Morisot remained in the French capital uh, with her mother and father during the siege of Paris and the, uh, and the Commune, but her health suffered um, drastically as a result, especially during the siege. She fainted, she grew thin, she developed stomach problems, and she found it very difficult to eat. Um, and she wrote to Edma in February 1871, I have come out of this siege absolutely disgusted with my fellow men, even with my best friends. Selfishness, indifference, prejudice, that's what, find, that's what one finds in nearly everyone. Manet seems to have had similar sentiments, because he wrote to Bert uh, just a little while later, and he said, what terrible events, and how are we going to come out of this? Each one lays blame on his neighbour, but to tell the truth, all of us are responsible for what happened. Um, Beth and her family eventually left Paris for a little while in early 1871, when things were getting very, very uncomfortable, uh, and they went to Saint-Germain, and from there, Beth travelled to Cherbourg to spend time with um, her sister, Edma, after, after the horrors of the war. Um, when this was all over, Madame Morisot, by this stage, was very keen for her uh, youngest daughter to get married. Um, so she seems to have sort of redoubled her efforts to um, parade a, a stream of suitable young men in her general direction. 
Um, from one of her mother's letters dated June 1871, it, it appears that uh, Bert and Edouard Manet's brother Eugène actually had sort of something going on because she, refer, she, sort of, she sort of alludes to this in a letter, but this didn't fully become apparent, the nature of their relationship, for another couple of years. Now, on top of marriage pressures, Bert was also having to cope with her mother's criticisms of her painting. We know that earlier on, she'd already had something to say about Edma's lack of finish on her studies, uh, and she wrote to Edma, Bert, yesterday my mother told me politely that she has no faith in my talent and that she thinks me incapable of ever doing anything worthwhile. Now, and this can be corroborated by a letter that Madame Morisot um, wrote to Edma at around the same time. She has perhaps the necessary talent. I shall be delighted if such is the case. But she has not the kind of talent that has any commercial value or wins public recognition. She will never sell anything done in her present manner and she is incapable of painting differently. When a few artists compliment her, it goes to her head. Frankly, is it as good as all that? Would anyone give 20 francs for these ravishing things? God, with critics like that, gosh. But of course, the subtext was Bert's apparent obstinacy in matters of marriage. As her mother also wrote to Edma, I am disappointed to see that Bert won't settle down like everybody else. It's like her painting. She'll get compliments since she seems to be eager to receive them but she will be held at arm's length when it comes to a serious commitment. Now, in spite of what must have been a fairly claustrophobic and somewhat overheated home environment, perhaps, Bert continued to uh, exhibit at the Salon consistently until 1873. In 1874, a number of important things happened, not least the death of her father, her participation in the first Impressionist exhibition in April, and her marriage to Edouard Manet's brother, Eugène, late in the year. And I would now like to hand over to my colleague and friend, Gloria, to pick up the story. Thank you, Tony. So, as Tony mentioned before, I will be starting off from 1874, which seems to be a very active period in Bert's life and career. And as Tony mentioned, uh, Bert was part of the la grande bourgeoisie. So she was part of an upper class, polite society. And Tony did mention this struggle for her in terms of marriage, uh, a personal life, and painting. So while she um, pursued an artistic career, um, it wasn't unusual for there to be women painters because to paint or to have another artistic skill was seen as a benefit to a husband's uh, home or your father's home. So she, we know that she was allowed to pursue painting, um, but we also know that it would be a struggle for her. While she came from a rich family, she didn't need to make money off her art, but she wanted to be an artist. So, having this in mind, uh, Bert, in 1874, had established herself a bit of a name, and as Tony mentioned, she actively exhibited it with the Salon, but in 1874 was the first Impressionist exhibition, and she was one of the key six figures to have um, been involved in the staging of this exhibition. Uh, they included Renoir, Pissarro, Degas, Monet, Manet, and herself. And hopefully I haven't left someone out there. I think I got all six. 
1874, we know that um, she started exhibiting with the Impressionists. She also married Manet's brother, Eugène. And we know that there was a bit of a struggle between her mother in terms of getting her to settle down. She was 33 when she married, and that's, she was an old maid at that point. Now, I'm 34, and my mom's getting a little bit hesitant. So back then, <laughs> um, and I believe, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bert's mother was 16. She yep. was 16 when she married, yeah. So there's a big difference there. So at age 33, she married Eugène. And he, in him, she found a great support. He was actually very unusual um, for a man to support his wife's artistic leanings. And as I mentioned before, they didn't need to make money off um, her work, um, but she did need a man or an escort to allow her, so to speak, to exhibit and to be able to sell her work. As I mentioned, she didn't need to make money, so for her it was about exhibiting. So being involved in exhibitions meant that she could make her own name. She exhibited in seven of the eight Impressionist exhibitions, and the only time she didn't exhibit was after the birth of her first daughter and only daughter, Julie. She was, at this point, 37, so once again, quite old. In Julie, she found the ability to actually paint motherhood as she understood it from a personal experience. Now, as I mentioned before, um, women were allowed to paint, but what they were allowed to paint was very different to men. So for most of you who've looked through the exhibition, you will notice some of the examples of, for example, Renoir's Odalisque there to the side. Bert was not allowed to paint such subjects. She was allowed to paint the home sphere, uh, what they call the domestic or the private sphere. And before I unpack this painting a little bit for you, I want to talk about how space was actually gendered in this period. We think of modernism and impressionism as a change in painting from the sort of uh, rigidity of the salon and so forth but there were still restrictions on female painters. So where we're very familiar with Bert's uh, paintings of motherhood, of the domestic interior, this was because it was almost as if the only thing she was allowed to paint um, because she belonged to the upper class, unless she wanted to be almost a fallen woman. Mm. So with this in mind, um, this painting here, the hydrangea, painted in 1894, actually the year before she died, not only do we see a shift in her painting techniques, and unfortunately we don't have an earlier example to show you, there might be one in the handout, her palette, her colours change, she uses a lot more white, she becomes freer and looser in the handling of that paint, she uses these lovely um, violets, which you'll be able to see closer on um, inspection around the brunette's hair. Um, she uses a lovely green in the blonde um, lady's hair. She, she uses a bit of red to complement the composition of this painting, to give it balance. But we noticeably see a change in her um, handling of the paint. This is a private scene. There are two girls. 
One is um, maybe placing a flower in the other one's hair, but it is a private moment. And through this painting, we can see the, the difference between the public and private. So if we look towards the dress, the dress is also something that is interesting to examine because we're used to seeing a corseted image of a woman, and that meant she was ready to go out into uh, the public. And to go out in the public meant to be on view, on view to potential suitors, but also as an example of your husband's property. So we know that these women are at home together and actually enjoying their own company. Now, if you look at some of the other women um, here in this gallery or in the other galleries, you'll notice that frequently the women have their faces downturned. This was a sign of passivity. It was the right way to look down for a woman. You weren't gazing someone straight in the eye. But here we have the subject almost looking at us. She's inviting a conversation with us. She is in the forefront. So we, with that in mind, we also know that she doesn't feel threatened. She is not on show for a man yet. She's enjoying the company of her friend. So what do we learn from this painting? What can we gauge? Well, we get a really lovely, I think, um, moment where we're able to see through all the other works the male's perspective of modernism, and we see men strolling the streets. And while women were able to stroll the streets and promenade and do all sorts of things like that, it was very much under the escort of their mother or husbands or with other women. Women were still denied a public persona or the freedom. And even in this painting, we see these women in a private moment, but together, they could never really be apart. So Bert really gives us um, the understanding of what it was like to be a woman in those times and where they were able to actually enjoy each other's company. So a very different perspective of modernism. Now, as I mentioned, this painting was painted a year before her death, and she actively would exhibit in the seven of the eight Impressionist exhibitions. She did actually sell her work quite well, and she did um, actually um, not only sell her works, but exhibit her works frequently. Um, she also, in her husband, found a great support, as I mentioned. And that love that she had between him and her is evidenced in a lot of their correspondence. In fact, when he did die, she said, she wrote, I would like to die as well. She didn't want to be here on this earth without him. She died quite young. I think she was 54. Um, and unfortunately, she died um, from pneumonia. She caught the flu off her um, sick daughter, Julie, and a few months later passed away, which is quite tragic um, when you think about how important Julie was to her life. Um, and so I think I might leave it there because I'm sure we're very close to the half an hour, but maybe we could open the floor to questions. I'll, I'll just say a few, mm. a few words about this first. And I should have, um, if I could just borrow that for a sec, and do circulate this amongst yourselves, but I just wanted to point out 
Um, this is a lovely portrait that Manet did in 1872 of Berthe Morisot. It's regarded as one of the best portraits he ever did of anyone. Uh, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, and it, it shows just what a striking individual that she, she was. Um, this is the work that I alluded to that she painted for the um, 1870 Salon. Uh, this is her um, sister Edna about to have her first baby. This is, her, this is their mother. And it's the mother's figure that Manet um, touched up. Um, and so you can actually see, I mean, this is at the National Gallery of Art in Washington. And you can actually see that, you know, this part of the painting, pure early Morisot. This part of the painting, very Manet. Um, <laughs> because, you know, he was very, very much into his Velasquez sort of um, inspired blacks, mm. um, you know, dark tones at that, at that point. Um, this is the first work uh, by Berthe Morisot that entered the public collection in 1894. Um, it, was sold to, uh, it was sold to an individual who then sold it to someone else, and then that individual was persuaded by the poet Stéphane Mallarmé, who was a friend of Morisot's, to uh, sell it to the French state. Um, and it's also a good example of, 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 of sort of Morisot's painterly style in the 1870s and 1880s because, as you can see with these two works in front of us, her style changes quite radically towards the end of her life. Um, this is a painting I found in the Musée Mamotin uh, Monet uh, when I was there in Paris uh, in January, and it's dated the year before. But as you can see, it's very similar. Um, it depicts a young girl in a very similar style of dress, um, playing with a young dog in the Bois de Boulogne, which was very close to where Morisot lived in Passy. So it was quite easy for her to, to get there. Um, and this is just another example. This is a, uh, painted the year that she died, 1895, uh, Le Petit Marcel, also in the Musée Mamotin Monet, Monet rather, Mamotin Monet. Uh, and you can see she's really playing around with warm and cool tones um, in both of these works. You know, um, there's lots of pinks and greens playing off against each other. They're not strictly speaking complementary colours, like when we were talking about divisionism, blue, orange, purple, yellow, red, green, but they are different enough for them to have a quite striking mm. effect when applied to, to skin tones. And she's getting very, very free with her brushwork here. She's quite happy to leave parts of the, of the canvas completely in, unpainted, so the ground is showing through. She always had a, a knack for focusing on what was salient in a figurative subject and then leaving the borders quite sketchy, quite unfinished, but that was a deliberate act. She was often accused of not finishing her paintings, as many of them were, but, you know, this was her way of, um, this was her way of representing whichever um, figure that she, she, she wanted to depict. And I just think it's, it's interesting to be able to look at other works that she painted at a similar time. Um, and at this stage, she's also sort of re-engaging with almost an 18th century palette. It's very, uh, re recalls the, the, the canvases of Fragonard and Boucher, the, the great Rococo painters of the 18th century, um, which at this point, you know, sort of start to come back into favour. Um, it was once thought that Berthe Morisot was um, the grandniece of Fragonard. That's not actually true. That's a myth. But even so, she was looking back to these masters of the previous century um, to help um, push her art making forward. And it's getting remarkably, um, as I said, loose, very free, and, and almost, you know, the faces are almost being effaced 
as if there's a sort of an anonymity at play there. And maybe she's sort of thinking about life in a big city like Paris where there's always bodies moving past each other, you know, that sort of Baudelarian experience of the modern city as one of kind of partial anonymity and where, where sort of individual identity is, is self-fashioned and constructed and projected, but it can also be effaced. So, um, yeah, do, um, sorry, do feel free to um, share that amongst yourselves. I'm sorry I only printed out 10, um, but that sort of gives you an idea. Um, we've got, you know, we're lucky that we've got two works because there's a big Montessau uh, exhibition at the Barnes Foundation in Philadelphia later this year, and then next year it's going to be at the Musée d'Orsay. So we're very lucky that they were able to spare two paintings by Morisot for us for this exhibition. But um, yeah, uh, stay tuned because you know, you're going to be hearing a lot more about her over the coming years. And I think this uh, exhibition um, in the US and later in France will really introduce a whole new generation of people to um, a female Impressionist who was absolutely at the, the centre of the Impressionist movement. As we said, she had early and persistent success at the Salon. She didn't exhibit with the Impressionists because she couldn't get a break anywhere else. She decided to exhibit with them in spite of early official success. Um, and I think we'll just leave it there and maybe open it up to questions. Thank you.